Welcome to Empowering Color. I'm Katie, and today my co-hosts Sonia, Amberly, Cecilia, and I will be discovering the vanishing half. The Vanishing Half is a 2020 novel written by Britt Bennett that tells the story of two twins who grew up in Louisiana. Both light-skinned black women, one returns back to her hometown to live with her mother, while the other passes as white in Los Angeles. The book has split narratives between the twins and their daughters, starting in the 1950s and all the way up to the 1990s, showcasing how one little lie can cause turmoil in the future. To set the scene, here's the opening line of the book. The morning one of the lost twins returned to Mallard, Lula Bond ran to the diner to break the news, and even now, many years later, everyone remembers the shock of sweaty Lou pushing through the glass doors, chest heaving, neckline darkened with his own effort. The barely awake customers clamored around him, ten or so, although more would lie and say they'd been there too, if only to pretend that this once they'd witnessed something truly exciting. I think it's really interesting that they bring up the lost twins right at the beginning of the book. So why does the book exactly start like this? So basically, Desiree and Stella are the twins and are the main characters of the book. And they are very light, almost pale skin, hazel eyes, and wavy hair. For most of their childhood, they lived normal lives, playing outside and going to school. This was until one day when their father was taken by the KKK. After he was lynched in front of them, their lives would never be the same. At 16 years old, the girls were taken out of schooling against their will to work as cleaners for a white family, as to help support their mother. After a while, Desiree became sick of living in her little town, and one day she convinced Stella to run away from Mallard to New Orleans. Arriving in New Orleans, the girls worked at a laundromat for a low wage. Though it was enough to get by, Stella wanted more. Eyeing a job as a secretary that only selected white applicants, she decided to make the big decision to pass as white. She never got caught, and eventually she landed the job, leaving Desiree. Stella then falls in love with her boss and decides to get married and move to LA. Together, they have a daughter, Kennedy, and Desiree has her own daughter, Jude. After an abusive marriage, Desiree takes Jude and moves back to Mallard, which explains why the town was so shocked to see her in the quote. So tell me, what is Mallard like? Why did the twins want to leave Mallard in the first place? Mallard is built upon the ideals of colorism, considering that nearly all of its citizens are African-Americans with very pale complexions. Colorism is defined as prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. Those with lighter skin tones are heavily favored and even praised in Mallard, which is made very clear when Desiree brings Jude to the town. Jude's father had a much darker skin tone, so Jude had dark skin as well. When Jude attends school in Mallard, she's ridiculed and made to feel like an outcast because of her skin color. Even her own grandmother tried to keep her skin from getting darker than it already was. I found it really interesting that Jude was ridiculed even by her own grandmother. While I was reading the book, this quote really stood out to me. At first, her grandmother tried to keep her out of the sun, gave her a big gardening hat, tied the straps tight around her chin even though it choked her. Adele begged her to wait to play outside, at least until the sun went down. She'd spent the summers reading indoors. She would get no darker, although she seemed to the longer she lived in Mallard. A black dot in the school pictures, a dark speck on the pews at Sunday Mass, a shadow lingering on the river bank while the other children swam. So black that you could see nothing but her, a fly and milk contaminating everything. Yeah, I find it really sad that Jude really thought of herself as such a burden, 
And it's really symbolized um, in this quote with the theme of darkness versus light. Um, and I think it's just really personal as well for me because I've had to grow up trying to like fit in with half of my family who is white and the other half, which was also, which is dark skinned. Um, and it was just very difficult to try and fit in. And it does feel like a bit of a weight on your back. Um, when you're constantly compared against the beauty standard that's just pushed all over the place. I think it's also really interesting to note the way that beauty standards have had an effect on a lot of people of color. This book mainly focuses on how um, due to people's skin tone, they often feel like outcasts. And this was back in like the 1950s, the 60s, and even today, this is still a huge problem. Like uh, in many places around the world, uh, there are like really popular methods used to lighten people's skin tone because light skin is favored over dark skin, such as like skin bleaching and like certain soaps that supposedly lighten your skin when you use them. Yeah, my um, grandparents actually have like skin bleaching soap um, because in South Asia, it's really like frowned upon to be dark. Um, and like even sometimes at the store when I go to like Mira Mesa, there's a lot of like skin lightening soaps there and it's just crazy to see how even still when we think that we've progressed so much that whiteness is still the beauty standard mm -hmm. and I think it's just like how do we get past that, you know? Yeah. I think what's really interesting is also there's this sort of dichotomy in America where there are a lot of tanning things like tanning beds and all this stuff and a lot of celebrities promote that so there's sort of this double standard where if you're dark you need to be lighter and if you're light then you need to be darker yeah and just to add on to that like it's not even that um darker skin is like appreciated in american culture because people don't want to take like the oppression that comes with it and i think that's just like a really big thing that people don't talk about because you see all these celebrities you know completely just like changing their skin tone on a daily basis yeah, like the white celebrities because they have the um privilege yeah to just choose how they look they have the privilege to choose to be darker exactly and that just brings us to another point which is like how do they express themselves based on their privilege and I think this is a really good point to go um, on comparing Stella and Desiree. Speaking about privilege, it kind of reminds me of how Stella chose to hide her black identity. Uh, a quote that stood out to me was when Stella said, I love shopping, she'd almost said to herself. It's like trying on all the other people you could be. This quote kind of shows how she tried to hide her black identity and she wanted to use all that white privilege because she knew that she would never have to worry about being lynched the way her father was when she was younger. And I think that Kennedy really models after her mother in that way because as you know, Kennedy was an actress and she sort of says something similar where she's kind of had a rough life. She dropped out of college and she started started resulting to like a bad lifestyle and she's like I love acting because it can help me kind of get away from my life so I feel like that's a really good comparison in between uh, Stella and Kennedy. For her whole life Stella wanted Kennedy to be able to live this life of like 
privilege and being able to pass as white, even though she really is like a woman of color. And that's why um, like Kennedy has the privilege to be able to go to school and not face all this racial discrimination that uh, like people of color who are not, not white passing face. And there's a certain point in the book where Kennedy actually like kind of uses racist remarks towards um, Jude. And I think it's just crazy because they are both, um, they're literally cousins. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Kennedy is biracial and she is completely oblivious to the fact. But because she has grown up as a white woman and has all of this privilege, she doesn't even understand that what she's saying is like contradictory to her actual identity which also just proves that race is so much of a social construct yeah and to add on what Amberly said before about the whole schooling thing like Kennedy had the privilege to drop out of school as well and if we think back to Desiree and Stella they were forcibly removed from school because they had to work as cleaners to help support their family whereas Kennedy is the daughter of a very rich man Stella doesn't even have to work anymore and she can just decide to terminate her education but Stella never tells Kennedy about her past because of course she doesn't want to reveal that she is a black woman. Similarly Jude was also forced to um, stay in school because she had to live off of a scholarship and she barely was able to scrape by working two jobs at a time whereas to Kennedy had her entire schooling and education paid for by her parents. And yeah, on the topic of Jude, like, unlike Stella and Kennedy, who had always hidden their identity throughout most of the book, Jude had to be faced with it all the time because growing up in Mallard, she was the only dark-skinned girl there, and she kind of just, like, she was always out there, and she got ridiculed by it a lot. There was um, this part in the book where she had a bully called Lonnie, who was also another black boy, but he was light-skinned, and he always called her names and stuff and yeah she actually ended up having like this kind of secret relationship with him um and she talks about how he tried to keep her like a secret when they would meet up at night um and how almost the way that he was able to bully her during the day and then claim to be her lover at night is just like crazy to me because it just shows how much skin color had like a hold on these basically like teenagers and if you think about it like kennedy never experiences even though she is like like desiree and stella look exactly the same so they're right. both the daughters of these women but she always like had a bunch of boyfriends who are white because she always passed as white so she never had to experience like all these ridicules in school even though she and jude are like direct cousins yeah when Jude is growing up in Mallard, she lives a lifestyle where she's not able to truly embrace her identity because the people there are not very accepting of people like her who have dark skin. But then for college, Jude moves to LA where people are a lot more accepting and she's able to really discover who she is and like realize that where she fits in in the world. I also think it's really interesting how Jude kind of finds a new community with Barry and Reese um, because Reese is transgender and Barry is a drag queen um, 
and I think it just brings in some really like important aspects about intersectionality because she really does get to learn about the experience of LGBTQ members um, and she even falls in love with Reese obviously so there's just a lot of um, I guess overlap that goes on with the levels of oppression that they all face but also because they're in LA they're free to do a lot of things that they wouldn't have been able to do back in the south which is just showing the idea that there were places usually urban cities where mm -hmm. um, racism was not as rampant and generally more liberal and accepting but even so, even in those suburban areas, like where Stella lived in Blake and Kennedy, it was still very racist because you remember like when the moment they introduced Stella when she started to pretend to be white, they were in a community meeting and and she was very oppositional to Loretta's family moving in, the first black family in her neighborhood. So it kind of shows that even though it was in LA, there were still those areas, those suburban areas where there was still a lot of racism. And the racism was especially it, it existed more in this neighborhood because they were all white, they were all extremely wealthy and well-off, and they had a lot of privilege um, that enabled them to be like so horribly racist to um, Loretta's family. And I think it's also super interesting how, just to touch on really quick, how Stella was kind of the most racist out of that whole group of people. Yeah, yeah because when they were having the meeting, I remember that Stella was kind of the first to be like, no, we can't have a black person move into our neighborhood, which is just really interesting to think about because Stella is black. And just the fact that she's overcompensating is really interesting. And I even remember there was a part in the book where she, um, where Kennedy and Loretta's daughter were hanging out and Kennedy used a racial slur on Loretta's daughter. And that brings up a really good point about how Kennedy underwent so much character development throughout the book. And you kind of see that starting when she's performing in the Midnight Marauder um, and Jude is ushering because she wants to find out more about Kennedy. So Jude starts bringing up points about like, hey, your mother and my mother are related. And she starts bringing these photos and Kennedy starts to be like, oh, wait, maybe this girl is actually right. I think it's also really important to note that there is like an arc where uh, Stella tries to tell Kennedy that everything that Jude has told her is a lie um, and this really does instill a lot of doubt within Kennedy because she just doesn't really know whose story is correct. However, uh, Kennedy and Jude do meet again while Reese is getting his top surgery in New York. The move to New York was beneficial for both, um, for all parties, just because Kennedy was finally exposed to some more diversity that she wasn't exposed to living in suburban LA, and Reese was finally able to get more confidence in his identity as he was able to get his top surgery. And this is also a point where uh, Jude and Kennedy's relationship is rekindled, and Kennedy starts to believe Jude again and actually embrace the fact that she is biracial. And eventually after many years of living in New York, Kennedy finally returns to LA to see Stella and on the car ride home, she eventually is like, this is our past, we need to accept it. And Stella eventually accepts that. Um, and they both sort of bond over this experience of finally figuring out their identity. 
Stella and Desiree's mother passes away, and her funeral presents an opportunity for the family to reunite, but um, upon hearing about Adele's death, Kennedy declines the invitation to the funeral for both her and Stella. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that Kennedy never really had a connection with her grandmother. I mean, she just recently found out this whole secret and recently started believing it. So I think it would just kind of make her feel out of place to kind of show up somewhere where she hasn't identified as, which is kind of like with how she's felt about being black. Like she still doesn't identify as black because she's been raised as a white woman her whole life. And that leads into an interview I saw that one time. Um, it was basically the same situation. There um, was this lady, she was white passing, um, and she was actually black and she hid this secret from her daughter. And eventually she found out that her mother was actually biracial. And I think it's super interesting because in the interview she also talked about how she didn't decide to identify as black because she's been raised and conditioned as a white woman. Yeah, and going back to the funeral, I think it was so much easier for Jude to attend because even though she was heartbroken, she had had such a strong um, like roots in Mallard because she had lived with Adele throughout her whole life. While they're at the funeral, the scene is set and it presents an opportunity to really display how Jude and Reese have found themselves and discovered uh, who they are. beginning to set and under the tangerine sky Reese tucked his undershirt over his head. The sun warmed his chest still paler than the rest of him. In time his scars would fade, his skin darkening. Jude would look at him and forget that there had ever been a time he'd hidden from her. He unzipped her funeral dress folding it neatly on a rock and they waded into the cold water squealing and water inching up their thighs. This river like all rivers remem remembered its course. They floated under the leafy canopy trees beginning to forget. I think that quote and that whole scene just really kind of defines the whole journey that this book has taken with both Reese and Jude finally being comfortable in their own skin, literally. And it's just very nice to see that kind of resolve and for them to really embrace their true identities. And I think that's a really good closing point for our podcast today. So thank you so much for listening to Empowering Color. This is our episode, Discovering the Vanishing Hat. We'll see you next week. Boop, <laughs> boop,